One of the things that uh, we felt really on our heart, or well, Shavel has, and she's told me this is on my heart as well, <laughs> is that... Um, we're such a team. We're such a team. <laughs> anyway, Shavel says <laughs> that um, despite the fact that I think I've talked about this endlessly, that we actually haven't done any uh, teaching for quite a long time about faith. And how are you going faith? Well, you're in a series then. We, it's a series. There's two weeks. Joyce is next week. And, uh, so we, we started doing a course. We started last week in, in our life group on faith. And uh, it, it kind of really was interesting because I'm sat there thinking, man, I've got really rusty. It's like some of the, some of the real basic things you think like, I haven't really been operating and living in the depth of that. And so uh, I guess when we come back from our sabbatical, which is coming up in two weeks' time, um, we'll have some more insight from God on faith. And so I was saying, well, what am I going to talk about this week? If, you, if you've, well, if Cheryl's changed the agenda. I'm sure God was in it, but, you know, and... Um, so I, I was sat there doing my, my bit, drinking my coffee in Waitrose, and I was, I was looking around and I, I saw newspapers on the table and, you know, people have been reading things and magazines and all the stuff you get in Waitrose Cafe. And uh, just right into my spirit dropped this, this word. And it was this, it was, life invites you to worry. Life invites you to worry. And, uh, and I think the thing that got me most worried is that I, w I was kind of drawn to this next table. And this person on the next table was, was reading the Daily Mail. And so I, kept, I was looking and I go, okay, life invites me to worry. And when, when they'd gone out, they, they left the paper behind, so I picked it up. And here's some of the headlines just on one day. Okay. The IMF, that's the International Money Fund, sounds the alarm of a new Cold War. Okay? You, you might be oblivious to any of this is happening, but we should be worried about it. And then there's 12-hour waits for 1 in 10 at accident and emergency, A&E. House of Horrors for Landlords. Uh, that's, that was actually about how... Uh, landlords can't make any money now because of the way the, the, the tax changes. So that's why the buy-to-lets in a mess and rents are going up and all the rest of it. Here we go. This 12% of wild birds disappear in nature crisis. I didn't know that, but I, I'm now worried about it. Our banks, this is, this is one that got me, got to the financial pages, are banks really safe? That's the sort of headline you want when we've just been through a financial crisis and people are going, are they really safe now? I'm kind of hoping they are, particularly the ones where, where my life savings are in. And here's the one that is really important. This is front page. Okay, I, I'm worried about this. What will Meghan do, be doing when Harry's at the coronation, we want to know? And then interest rates set for more hikes as inflation sticks. And if we um, 
kind of just do life, it's inevitable that all sorts of stuff comes along. We, we don't have control over our life. You have control about how you respond to things, but you don't have control over your life. And, and so a lot of things have happened to us and continue to happen as, to us that are unexpected. We just thought we were getting through some stuff and then our son breaks his back skiing. So stuff comes along. And, and even then, there's so much that, that really comes at you. How many of you have heard of this? Apparently my kids think it's an old thing. I thought it was a new thing. They're called clickbait. Yeah, where you see a headline with a picture of Marcus Rashford or something and you think Manchester United is selling him and it, it, you, you go in, you read the article, absolutely nothing to do with Marcus Rashford. It's to do with the player you've never heard of who's in Man United Reserves. That's, that's clickbait. Where you, you get a headline and it draws you in and the article's got absolutely nothing to do with it. And this clickbait stuff, you, you find it on Facebook, you find it in social media, but you also get it... it like, are they advertising at the top of your Google emails and wherever? And you find yourself clicking on things and going down rabbit warrens. And at the end of like 15 minutes when you've read six articles, suddenly you're bothered, stressed, worried. Like, man, what a, what a world are we creating? You see, here's, here's one of my biggest problems. That. I don't know if that's your biggest problem, but it's one of my biggest problems. Because every time I open this, there's stuff on there um, that invites me into everybody else's life. And invites me to worry about everybody. So, you know, a few weeks ago, I was, I was saying to Cheryl, like, you know, I, I'm starting to make really stupid mistakes. And, and it's simple things. I mean, not, not big things, but... So you're now worried about me, aren't you? <laughs> but it's like, I'll, I'll sell something on eBay and I'll put it to go buy every and then I'll get out of my car and stick it in a Royal Mail post box and then think, that was stupid. But life can kind of overwhelm you and it tires you out until you're kind of not thinking straight and you're not thinking uh, properly. And, and we have this thing, and it can't, you see, none of this is bad stuff. But it's too much of the world, too much of life. And we have these things called WhatsApp groups. So WhatsApp groups, although they, they're a good thing, I find them personally really overwhelming. Because I know, I'm invited to worry and get involved in people in other countries that I've never heard of who happen to be aunt of a cousin of a third person who knows somebody in our church. And, and so you, you can get that. And then I'll get people who, who will complain because I haven't got back to them within five minutes of them sending me a text because I was too busy getting back to somebody else who just sent me a text. And so life invites you to worry and life invites you to be stressed and life invites you to be anxious. And it, it might all seem too, it might all seem trivial. It might, you might go, well, I, I don't know what to do about that. That's just life. But the, tr the fact is, for many of us, although we don't realize it, it's overwhelming. It's tiring. It drains you. 
Um, you know, how can I say it? You know, I re- one of the things you, I learned you know, when I was training as an accountant is the way when you go on your management courses, the thing you've got to do is communicate and communicate and communicate. And everybody's talking about communication. And the way to, to make things right is more communication. But the truth is, our ability to communicate has gone way beyond our ability to deal with that level of communication. We, we can't process it all. And be, because of that, we, we, the, the, if we let ourselves, we walk and live with this undercurrent of just anxiousness and concern. And, and you can't pin it down to anything. You just get up out of bed and it's there, like this, this, this undercurrent. You know, that's just me, but maybe you guys, maybe you're kind of feeling a bit like that, a bit overwhelmed with stuff, like starting to do stupid mistakes that you think, like, how did I do that? How did that happen? And, and maybe you're thinking, like, life's just got too fast for me. And maybe you're thinking, like, what sort of a world are my kids going to grow up in? How are they going to cope with this? How, 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 how can I help them in that? How can I uh, give them good advice and train them in how to deal with this? Because I never had to deal with it. You know, when, when we started Faith Life 16 and a bit years ago, I never sent a text. Because you didn't. You know, texts were still L8R, you know, later. And... and because you had to type them in on like lots of separate buttons. And there, there was no internet that you used for church because everything was dial-up and it downloaded really slowly. And that's, that's when we started. So life has changed. And life needs us to worry. And, and some of us, we, we can't, maybe it's you, you, you carry that sort of low-level worry and you, 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 all this stuff's going on in the world and, you, and, and, and you're feeling like, I'm just tired. And people, and, and Cheryl's been learning this. So maybe you, you, you've realized the same thing. But Cheryl read this book. Cheryl, Cheryl by nature, was a, was a hoarder. Okay? Like, we'll keep this because in 20 years' time, it will come <laughs> back in fashion. And we'll keep this in Mark's wardrobe because there's no room in mine anymore. And, and Cheryl, last year, had this kind of epiphany moment where she, so somebody, she was watching somebody or reading something. It was Annette. Well done, Annette. Yes, star. And Annette has changed our life, I tell you. Because Cheryl realized that whilst you've got stuff and you've had stuff and it's all there and it's all clutter and, and you think you might need it one day, all those little tiny choices you have to make every time you go to wardrobe, every time you, 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 you go to your, your cutlery door, every time you, you, you choose from one of 613 streaming programs, every time you do that, it exhausts you. It tires you. And so this is the world we live in. And so how do we deal with that? As believers, and how we, do we deal with that by faith? 
All oh, right. You remember the black bean bag exercise we did last year? Cheryl, Cheryl was the keenest member of the church of it going in black bean bags and going either to Bulgaria or to a charity shop. And uh, yeah, so I've got my wardrobe back. See, that's the testimony for this morning. I got my wardrobe back. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well done, Annette. Okay, so what, what's the point of that? Well, the point of that is that as believers, we have to find a way of not living like that. Because we're not designed to carry that undercurrent of stress and, and worry and anxiety. And uh, here's some, it might sound like basic teaching, but like, like we've been discovered on this, this faith course, you can kind of get rusty. There are two ways to live in this world. You can live according to, according to Jesus, according to Paul, so therefore according to the Holy Spirit. You can live either by the Spirit, walk according to the Spirit, or walk according to the world. And the outcomes of these things that happen in your life will be different according to how you walk it. As I said, the, the basic, basic problem is we can't control life. But we can have a choice about our response to things that come along in our life. Will we live this by the Spirit or will we live this by the world? And here's the point. If you live by the world, you will worry and be overwhelmed. So the, the root cause of us having that low level or high level anxiety, worrying and being overwhelmed and feeling life's just on top of us all the time, can't keep up, all the rest of it, why is it always me, why has this happened to me, all those sort of things. The root cause is we're approaching it by thinking and behaving like the world. And the only way we can deal with that differently is to think and behave according to the spirit. Now, why is that? that the, the reason for that is that in this world, there are two forces at play. And what we know is there's another kingdom called the kingdom of darkness. And that kingdom is actively at play in influencing people's thoughts and behaviors and, and, and creating a lot of the things that causes to worry, be anxious, tired, worn out, and so on. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says that the God, well, I, I remember it like this, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers, but it, it's sometimes good to read, read it slightly differently. So this is a, a translation that I haven't memorized it in. The God of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are therefore unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ. So that's what's at play in the world. The, the, the world doesn't understand how to live and relate to God. It doesn't understand how to get its, its energy, its strength, um, it, its sustenance from, from that world. And Jesus said the same thing. He, he came and he said in John 10.10, 10, the thief, that's the devil, comes to steal, kill and destroy. So if something is stealing, killing and destroying 
your, your emotions, your relationships, uh, your worth, your uh, mental health, all the rest of it, then it's because the enemy is in play. That's his agenda. This isn't God. We need to recognize that's not God. Thief comes on, he's still killing, destroy. I'm come that they may have and enjoy life, this is the amplified version, and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Now, that is why Jesus said he came and what he came to give us. So the question is, how much of that are we actually enjoying? Because that's available. So to access that, we need to stop playing in the playground of the enemy and start plugging in to Jesus. Yeah? That's, that's the basics of, of what I'm going to be talking about this morning. Okay, so here, here's, here's the, the starting point. I'm going to read you a statement from Jesus. Here's what he said. Do not, say do not. Say, I'm, I'm going to do not. Do not let your hearts be troubled, distressed or agitated. So that's pretty clear, isn't it? What Jesus thinks of, of that stuff that we're experiencing. But in saying that, he's also saying that we cannot let it happen in our life. That's, that's not how it's meant to be. And we've got something we can do about it. So do not let your hearts be troubled, distressed or agitated. You believe in and adhere to and trust in and rely on God. Believe in and adhere to and trust in and rely also on me. And what's really important about that is why did Jesus say that? What's going on when he says this statement, let not your heart be troubled, anxious and agitated, distressed? Well, what's happening is Jesus is about to deliver to all his followers the worst news that they can ever have. And this is what he's going to do. He's going to say, guys, you are about to enter the most traumatic time in your life. I know you've followed me for three years. I know you've been with me. I know you staked all your hopes on me. You've, you've invested your life in. You've left your families. You've left your careers. You've left everything to follow me. And now I'm about to tell you, I'm going to die on a cross. Because that's my destiny. But let not your heart be troubled. And by the way, people are going to, persecute you they're going to attack you they're going to come after you some of you are going to deny me let not your heart be troubled one of you is going to betray me and you'll all feel betrayed by that same person let not your heart be troubled some of you are going to see me suffering on the cross for you, let not your heart be troubled. So what he's saying is, in the face of the greatest crisis these guys have ever faced, 
the biggest mountain of distress in their lives, that it's possible for their hearts not to be troubled. How do you think Cheryl would feel if I said to her tonight, let not your heart be troubled, but I'm going to give myself up to uh, some authority and they're going to pin me to a cross tomorrow and I'm going to die. How, how, how do you think Cheryl would cope with that? She'll call Joyce, yeah. <laughs> The point is, it's possible to not be troubled even by the greatest crisis in your life. You know, when uh, we got this news that Matt had broke his back on his, his skiing holiday, the first response is the really important one. So even before Jessica and I told Cheryl, uh, we prayed. And then we got the whole one thing group praying. For Mark, that's, that's, so it's possible, even in that place, to have peace instead of turmoil. Part of the culture and the, the way we do life, though, um, what we do is we make little things into big things. We, we get in the, the habit of making big deals out of not a lot. That's why we struggle to get on with each other. Because it's endemic in, in the way we approach relationships that everything is big. Everything is massive. Like, it's even worse for, for our kids. You know, Jessica, it's like the world falls in every 10 seconds depending on what's happened. Because everything is big. And we make little things big things. And, and if we sat down and we thought, like, let me have a think about that. Let me just stop. Settle down. Let me think this through. We wouldn't make it so big. My mum used to say this thing, don't go making mountains out of molehills. Ever heard that one? Yeah. But we do it anyway, don't we? Because what we do is we don't think about what's just gone wrong. We think of all the further things that could go wrong as a result of that thing going wrong. And, and we speculate about what might happen. And what could happen? And suddenly, we've gone from this little thing and we, we're almost trying to deal in our heads with this concept that in six months' time, we're going to be homeless and have nothing. And, and, it, and it's those sort of things that are, we, we're kind of wired to speculate. I don't know why it happens, but we do. Um, and I think it's because we're trained from when we're young to plan to avoid things and deal with things. Now, that's not a bad thing. However, it's not a biblical thing. The biblical thing for a New Testament believer is that we get our wisdom and counsel from the Holy Spirit. Not that we plan to avoid anything that might be difficult. And, and it's kind of when we're not in that relationship place with the Holy Spirit and hearing him clearly like that, the, the, all this stuff runs away with itself. So here's my first bit of biblical advice. 
It's the same as Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. How do you do that? You don't, and you stop yourself, when you see it happening, speculating. Don't speculate. Because although Jesus was going to the cross, he's coming back. So if we speculate on the basis of the bad news, we end up in a different place from where Jesus himself is. Here's another thing I've learned over the years. I've become an expert on, on worrying and being anxious. It's kind of like, I've had, it's a fight. I've had to have fight all my life. Here's another thing I've learned. You will stay anxious and worried nearly all the time if you don't learn to let things go. Amen. And, and some, some of us have found ourselves bothered by stuff that happened years ago and we can't let it go. And it ruins our health, it ruins our mental health, it ruins our relationships because we won't let it go. And we have to learn to be a people who let stuff go. How does Jesus encourage us to let stuff go? Encourage us to let stuff go by learning and actively doing something else instead, which is trusting him and following him. The way to deal and stop molehills becoming mountains is to let go and trust Jesus. Let it go and trust Jesus. And rely on him for the solution. So what does it mean to rely on Jesus? That's the question, isn't it? This is kind of really basic faith stuff. What does it mean to rely on Jesus? Well, it means to lean into him in modern parlance, to, to put your weight of your life on him, to actively seek and find your answers from him. So if you don't hear anything else this morning, this is what I want to actively encourage you to do I want to encourage you intentionally and deliberately to set aside each day time each day where you talk to Jesus about what's happening in your life and you listen to him for his wisdom it doesn't have to be a long process it's longer when you start doing it but if you're already doing it it gets quicker get into his presence. So we, we, we tell Jesus what's happening and we listen for the voice of the Spirit of Christ to tell us what he wants us to do. Whether he wants us to do anything other than just trust him. That's a common answer. Just trust me, I know what I'm doing. How many of you, well, I'll look, I'll look this way. Oh, no, I'll not look anyway because it's all very... How many of you are old enough to remember Dad's Army? Yeah? And, and probably even if you aren't, you've seen reruns of it. There's, there's this guy in Dad's Army. Do you remember Corporal Jones? Yeah? Corporal Jones. So any piece of bad news, what does Corporal Jones do? He, go, he says, don't panic, don't panic, don't panic, don't panic. 
And he panics. So his words and his actions don't match. And that's often what we do as Christians. What we say sounds great, but our actions don't match up to what we say. So we're faith people. So we go, don't panic, don't panic, don't panic. Jesus has got it. Don't panic, don't panic, don't panic. I'm believing, I'm believing. Don't panic, don't panic. And our entire life is saying, you are panicking. You are panicking. You are not trusting Jesus. And, and we end up like Corporal Jones, really, don't we? Here's something that the Apostle Paul says, because he'd learned this lesson that Jesus is teaching is about let not your heart be troubled. And some of the words in that, at least tra typically translated differently, some of the words are the same. So this is what the Apostle Paul says, and it's in 2, Tim, 2 Timothy 4 verse 5. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And you go, well, that doesn't sound much like what Jesus said. Well, let me, let me break this down for you. He's telling Timothy this at the time that Timothy's church is just turning on him. And he's also telling Timothy this at the time he's just told Timothy, I'm about to die. I'm in prison and it's the end, guys. This is, this is it. So Timothy's mentor's about to disappear and his church is turning on him. It's the church in Ephesus. And this is what he says. What, be watchful in all things and do afflictions. Carry on doing what God told you to do and fulfill what God's given you as your ministry. In other words, trust Jesus. Now, that word in that verse translated watchful. As you know, everything in the New Testament is translation from a Greek word. And this Greek word translated watchful is, a, is the word nepho. I, I throw that in because then you can think me, wow, what an educated pastor we've got. <laughs> it's completely irrelevant. The translation is watchful. But the original word that's been translated... Because we're very refined in England, we, we don't like to, to say it quite with the fullness of, of what it's possible to do. So this word watchful, what it means is be sober, have presence of mind, have your wits about you. Now, literally, that word nepho was used for a situation where you couldn't see where you were going because the fog or the, the storm was too thick. Now, I, I don't know if you remember, like only last month, I think it was, we had a few mornings and I opened the curtains and I couldn't see to the end of our garden because of the fog. And, and this word nepho is saying, don't let the fog stop you Going forward. Now, I'm coming to kind of the meat of it. The Amplified 
which kind of draws out what the, the Greek means. Translates that word watchful. Here's what it translates it as. Be calm, be cool, be steady. I like that. It's kind of cool, isn't it? Be calm, be cool, be steady. So when, when, when the fog comes, when the storm comes, when things happening, when your church is falling apart on you, when your life seems like it's falling apart of you, when you, all the stuff, you, the mentor you've, you've looked, after, looked up to, when everything's swept out from underneath you, be calm, be cool, be steady. Why? I mean, it sounds like the sort of positive thinking thing you get on Facebook or Instagram, doesn't it? Or, you know, like those, uh, when you go to the airport and they have like all these self-help books. Be calm, be cool, be steady. I think I'll write it. Write the book. <laughs> and the point's this. Unless that's your first response, you will find yourself moving out of faith into being living in the invitation to worry. And Jesus said, the way you deal with this is the Holy Spirit is in you. So you walk by the Spirit. And whilst you might be going, don't panic, don't panic, don't panic, and panicking, the Holy Spirit is being calm, cool, and steady. And so connect. You intentionally have to stop yourself and saying, that's not the way Jesus told me to respond. That's the hardest thing. Stopping yourself, just firing off with your don't panic routine. So you stop. And you, you, you go, actually, there's someone alive in me that knows how to deal with this. Who right now is totally calm, totally cool and totally steady. So I want to know what he's got to say. That's my first point of call. You see, you can't do this without God. You, you can't come to church on a Sunday morning, listen to this and live the rest of your life for the rest of the week without reference from God because you will end up being invited to worry. I'm invited to be anxious. We, we actually have to live this stuff. Our, our actions have to match our words. We can't be Corporal Jones. Here's what Jesus is saying. When your plans get messed up, when, when things not going how you, you would like it, when everything's happened, when stuff's thrown you off kilter, be calm, be cool, be steady. Get into God's presence and hear that even though your plan's gone, he's got a better plan. You know, God is, this, is it, because he's God, he has this amazing ability. So God can give you his best plan for your life and you can screw it up and then you can go to God and he goes, don't worry, son. Don't worry, daughter. You've screwed up my best plan. But I've got a better plan than my best plan. Because God can do that. Because he can do all that we can ask, more than we can ask or imagine. So he's always got a better plan. 
than the best plan we've heard. And so he's able to do this. So when problems come along, when all this stuff comes in, when this overwhelming feeling and, and being, you know, just weighed down with one thing after another after another, when that happens, don't let it get out of control and don't let it run away. Here's, here's my piece of advice. Some of you will have heard me say this before. When stuff happens in your life, you have a choice about where you go to for wisdom. And usually, the first place we go to wisdom is this, and we ring somebody. And we go, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What's happening? And it makes us feel better for a bit, but it doesn't make it any better in the long term. Because Auntie Edna doesn't know the answer. And Grandpa doesn't know the answer. Because we live in times we ain't seen before. And we don't know the answers. We're in an unusual generation. Because life changed so quickly and so much, the older generation doesn't always know the answer. Because it's a different world and it's changed. So here's my stunning piece of advice. Along with be calm, be cool, be steady. Be intentional about that. Here's my second stunning piece of advice. Don't go to the phone, go to the throne. Don't go to the phone, go to the throne. How many of you have ever, uh, I'm watching it for the second time through, I'm on episode three. How many of you have ever watched Smallville? No. It's an awesome series. There's 10 series. It's so good. It's like Superman growing up. It's brilliant. Anyway, there's a really early scene in that when uh, Jonathan Kent, the dad, Dad Kent, is trying to help Superman, Superboy, Clark, step into his powers. So he's trying to teach him how to hear uses super hearing so it doesn't just kind of he hears everything and it becomes overwhelming so he teaches him to tune in his hearing so he sets off all these machines in the barn and they're racketing away and the, the tractor engine and everything's going and he, and he wants him to tune in to hearing a pin drop well a nail drop and so they practice this and later on in that same episode Clark can hear the nail drop because he's learned to tune everything else out. When we walk by the Spirit, we're learning to tune out the world. When we're intentional about getting with God, we learn to tune out the world. You know, when, when you say things like that, my mum, who was full of worldly wisdom, I, I can remember lots of things she said. You, your mum's probably said the same, particularly if you're north, you had northern mums. She'd say, well, Mark, that's easier said than done. <laughs> In other words, it's impossible. And everybody 
from a worldly perspective, because of the God of this world has blinded the minds, will tell you how impossible it is to do any of the things Jesus asks you to do. But Jesus said, hey guys, you have the ability to let not your heart be troubled. You have the ability to be calm, be cool and be steady. You have the ability to hear my voice. You see, we need to learn to still our souls so we can connect with the Spirit. And that's something that's a, a lifetime journey. However, that doesn't mean that you can't get a long way down that route and do it, get there quickly. What it does take is a decision on our part. To, to break out of this steam train of life that is just inviting us to worry and to shut ourselves away 10, 15, 20 minutes and just worship God and then be still and listen. <laughs> and it might be that the first time you try it, you hear something. It might be you don't. It might be the second time you do, do or do. For me, it was kind of, because I'm a bit thick on these things, it took me quite a while. But then you start tuning in like Superboy. You start hearing the nail drop amongst the noise. And you hear his voice. And that voice is full of wisdom. That voice is full of better plans. That voice knows how to deal with that thing that's happening to you right now that you don't know how to deal with. And that voice is saying, be calm, be cool, be steady. Let not your heart be troubled. Could you go and get uh, Nick? Thank you. I'm the sort of person that reacts. Joel's always telling me off for reacting to things. So something will happen, I'll have a stomp around the house. You don't have any of this. Okay. And that I'll stomp and I'll be in it. And I'm reacting. And, I'm, and it's worse than that. Because I'm a guy, not only do I react, but I want to fix it right now, immediately, with a plan. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to debate it. I don't want to chat to six friends on, the, on, on my phone about it. I want to fix it. And I can't fix it. So I have a choice. And my choice is either react, I react like that or I react by going to Jesus. Either way, I get to react to the situation. So that's cool. But I need to react by be going to Jesus. And he will tell me, she's pinching my life, he will tell me how to respond to the situation. <laughs> it's a good job she's doing next week, isn't it? Can you all do me a favour next week? Can you make sure you heckle Joyce? <laughs> Just for me? We dare do that. You dare not do that, okay. Right. So I want to I leave you with this. Inside you is the Holy Spirit.
He's calm. He's cool. He's steady. He has the wisdom of the throne. And he's inviting you to talk to him. And he's inviting you to leave the world that invites you to worry. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Father, I thank you that there's such wisdom in your word. That even in just a, a couple of verses wrapped up in there is so many deep things, so many powerful things that you are, are trying to show us. And that even though everything around us is saying it's impossible, it, you're in, it, it's a mess, you can't fix this, that you have a plan that is a better plan. You have an answer that is a better answer. You have wisdom that is better wisdom. Lord, teach us to turn to you instead of been reacting just to the situation. And Lord, help us to let some things go. So right now, if you need to kind of let something go, I'm just inviting you to think about what that is. The stuff you need to let go in your life. It might be new stuff. It might have been there for five years. It might have been there for 10 years. And it's just gnawed away. And Jesus is saying, let it go. Trust me. Let me take the weight of it. Give it to me. Let it go. So if you've got something that the Holy Spirit's put on your heart to let go now, I just invite you to say these words. Jesus, I trust you and I'll let this thing go. Take the weight of it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Praise you. Amen.